0: One. What's up, everybody? Christopher here, head trader, owner, all that at pollinatrading.com. Sign up for your free newsletter. Um, Today, I'm with Carter Thomas. And outside of a couple of technical difficulties on my end, uh, we're doing this way better version of the... I was only a few minutes before, but (laughs) we had a uh, a little technical difficulties, we being me, and the operation, uh, and had to relaunch... but Carter's been with us before. Uh, late spring, I would say, about the time Bitcoin was around somewhere between six and eight thousand. Uh, I think we were both just telling each other how cool Bitcoin was, uh, <laughs> and uh, as, as crypto people will do. Uh, and then um, fast forward, let's say that's probably eight months. We're trading at forty-eight thousand Bitcoin at the very second that Michael Saylor is sharing to corporate uh, CFOs and whatnot today, I believe, doing presentations on how your company, your public company can add Bitcoin to the balance sheet. Uh, A few days after it was announced that Elon Musk, um, or Elon announced that he picked, or Tesla picked up 1.5 billion or something like that. And then of course my trolling tweet of Apple picking up 2.7 billion in uh, Bitcoin, which didn't move the market the way I wanted it to. It was actually on some clubhouse and the headline of the clubhouse was uh, um, a bunch of the, uh, it was saying Apple put in 2.7 billion and like, anyway, uh, the same, same people from 2017 still playing that same game um so it was fun conversation anyway carter's with us carter has been a uh, pretty life uh, long time actually what's really cool about carter's story is i think it was in 2017 you just started YouTubing every day about your experience of learning uh youtube or also the internet yeah. uh <laughs> and how to speak uh learning your way through crypto and kind of building in public building your knowledge base in public uh, and that's really uh, really what, uh, where he come, came from originally there. Um, and the last time we spoke, he was very big into, he was talking about DeFi and I was kind of nodding my head as in, okay, yeah, another thing that's going to happen, whatever, Bitcoin. And then, uh, yeah, DeFi pretty much exploded uh, right at, shortly thereafter. So we'll definitely give credit to Carter for that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I want to dig deeper back into, cause you know, we're, we now got people who, uh, who are sitting on a $48,000 Bitcoin and 2000 ish dollar Ethereum, uh, or well, $1,800 Ethereum almost. Um, a lot of, a lot of money has been made in the last six months. Uh, and there's some massive opportunities to be made in the, uh, in the, in the DeFi space. So uh, I got Carter on, we want to talk about uh what he got what he did in the space and then we're going to walk through actually kind of just walk through the process uh and then we'll kind of break off and get into some other subjects so carter welcome and tell me tell me about your journey into the defi land
1: sure yeah great to be back it's been it's been awesome obviously uh you know i came into crypto in 2000 i started buying bitcoin like everyone else 2013, 14, whatever. And then went in heavy on Ethereum in 2016, but I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, like you said, I just started YouTubing every day because I was like, you could see these old videos of me being like, hi, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm just going to sit here and like walk you through. And when I look back at, you know, a lot of what I learned was just kind of like market, market management, mindset management. Um, but I didn't really understand trading at all. Uh, and I've what I like about this cycle is that I can look through the lens of a trader uh, and through almost like a, like the business operations of these markets, as opposed to just being like, wow, this is a meme that sounds really good and it's probably gonna triple and then it does and you think you're a genius, which still works obviously. But um, <laughs> what I liked about DeFi was that it was, it was very sophisticated concepts in the from the financial world that were being brought into a whole new ecosystem. So, yeah, when we talked, I was starting to get, uh, you know, the first one was, I believe synthetics that I really got into and lend, which is now Ave and then urine. And, and when I started to play with these, I was just like, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like it was so amazing and so cool, but it also seemed unbelievable because these yields that were coming out were like tens of thousands of percent APY. I mean, I'm sure anybody who remembers the sushi swap, uh, launch, and people were talking about farming different types of food and saying that they're making 18,000% yield every hour. And you're like, what, what does this mean? Like, this is insane. And so instead of writing it off, I just dove really deep into it. And I found that there's was a whole new way of looking at markets that are um, looking at yields within markets. Whereas a lot of the crypto spaces thought of yields the way proof of stake does yield, which is inflationary re- re- rewards, like, Cosmos and Tezos and um, Polkadot, which you, know, you can staking in exchanges and things like that. This, these yields are built off of uh, trading fees, which is essentially getting like real-time cash flows off of whatever the, the protocol is doing uh, or like management fees, so to speak. That's like one way to think about it. And so I started to realize this is more like a bond market than a, like a, a, a yield market. And these are just like insane bond yields for what would be the governance area of an ecosystem. So if you thought of a particular part of crypto and you said, okay, let's, if we wanted to make a bond market in a free market, what would that look like? And what it would look like is what we're starting to see with DeFi. There'd be collateralization, there would be people that provided the credit, there would be people that had the debt, it'd be the payments on those things. And so that's, that was helpful, uh, especially when I, when I learned about Yearn and all these other ones. And uh, it's evolved, obviously, you know, like some of the yields have come down, some of the yields have gone up, there's still a lot of bullshit out there, there's some really legit stuff. Um, I do think that over time, these, the yields will normalize, uh, once the growth of the ecosystem starts to hit its outer, you know, maximum growth capacity, uh, and enough money flows in. But for the time being, I, I think that there's a very good case for these yields to continue. And for people that are in this space, who start to learn about it it provides a really interesting opportunity one to make money but two to leverage the assets that they already have which I think uh, is kind of how we connected a few weeks ago on in a tweet where uh, you talked about having a like a way to make money uh, and yours is a trading strategy and mine came from kind of left field with a much different approach where I said well if you take a big sum and you collateralize it, and you can pay that off in a high yielding vault or loan or whatever you want to call it. Um, you can make a, a ton of money that way. Uh, there are different different risks, different rewards, things like that. And uh, you know that's that's the there's a lot more to defi defi but for now I think that for most people it just offers a lot of interesting ways to interact with the ecosystem and and make a lot of money. Without necessarily having to buy low, sell high.
0: Yeah, um, and that's definitely the challenge that the majority of traders face is the ability to buy low and sell high. <laughs> uh, when do you exit? All those sort of things. That's the the one of the biggest challenge in trading. Um, I uh, so so. Let's jump in on. Let let me let let's figure this out. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to help me figure it out. Because uh, sure, I totally. did not jump into the uh, into the space, I um, feel like a genius because I put my Bitcoin on a place called Blockfi. Let's just say, uh, and here's my code. Here's my you know password. And you know, like hack me? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so let's say you um, let's say you, you go out and you. I think Blockfi is the most well known of the lenders of, um, of crypto. And I haven't really looked of like, put your Bitcoin here and we'll give you, I think it's like six or 8% uh, on your, on your money while it increases in value. So you're not actually, um, you're, you're not actually doing anything other than you're giving it to them and they're doing stuff with it probably. But, um, I'm sure there's all, I mean, there's all sorts of risks there, but that's the easiest way to do it. So let's say you go out, you put 50,000, well, it's 48,000, let's call it 50,000. Uh, you have one Bitcoin, you put it on um, on BlockFi, you borrow 25,000 of it, half of it, they'll give to you. Uh, and then you have a repayment loan. I don't know what the amount would be. Um, maybe you know, but uh, I don't know, a couple grand or a grand, a couple hundred bucks Yeah, a month. I think it's,
1: uh, I mean, I think it's only like 5%, but what's, what's good about BlockFi is that it's not an amortized lo- loan like a mortgage would be. So uh-huh. you don't pay like the principal plus the interest each month, you just pay, pay the interest. So if you had a $25,000 loan and it was, uh, you took it out, of, I think five, whatever, 5%, let's say, um, that would be a like 12, $1,200. Yeah, and so 12, 5, you you would pay like 60 bucks a month as opposed to the full amount plus, plus plus. 60 bucks a month. And so nice. that makes, that gives you a lot more flexibility. Um, and-
0: Cool. And, and let me, let me, you still own the Bitcoin on that. So if it goes to a hundred, you've taken out 25,000, you pay back 20. I mean, you've already, you still make. Yeah. Okay. So that, this is um, definitely uh, a great option. So, um, so at 25,000, now you've borrowed 25,000. Now you look to stake it, right? Do you wrap it or do you stake it? Maybe those are a couple of things we want to, want to so go the, I over. I think the
1: first this. thing to say is you do own it, you, you you also have a liquidation price. So one of the decisions you make when you take out a, a collateralized loan is if you take out 50%, your liquidation is gonna be a certain level. If you take out 30%, it's gonna, obviously gonna be a lower level. So I always tell people if they're gonna go this route, you typically wanna do it when you think Bitcoin's like at towards a low, right? Because mm. the last thing you want is the price to be going down while you're taking out a loan. like that just yeah. gives you anxiety. Um, So that's, that's the first piece. So yeah, you let's say you take out 25,000. They're going to give you most likely 25,000 in USDC stable coin. Mm -hmm. And then you have the USDC. And you have the ability to take that and go into the DeFi ecosystem. And in my opinion, what you would do is go put it into a platform or a farm, where you could get a yield that was higher than what you're paying on your loan. And then each week or each month, you would take the rewards from that that farm that you set up, and it would pay off the loan. And then eventually, once the loan is paid off, you can you can keep the farm there, and it just keeps spitting off whatever rewards are. You can move it to somewhere else, but you, you're essentially paying it off in real time. Um, you know, as this, it's kind of like a, a way to pay off your leverage while you take out the leverage.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. So I've. I have that. Take the money out, twenty five k, and then I'm paying sixty bucks a month, let's say. And I go and I I create a farm, uh, and that paint. And what is a? Uh, I've been seeing like twelve percent for is polka dot. Is that are we talking? Is that low end? Is that high end? What's the? What are we looking at there? Um, what are some names? And what are some? Yeah, just really- off the top of your head, maybe.
1: I mean, it really, it really is about, um, so there's, there's two th- way, things I think about, like, let's just put risk profile aside for a second, which is a huge deal, it. but, um, <laughs> the two ways to think about it are, are you going to yield farm off of an asset where the asset itself will appreciate or depreciate as well as you get yields on outfit, like a polka dot, or do you want to just go straight stablecoin arbitrage where you could just go get better stablecoin yields somewhere else, which will most likely be lower, but there's a lot less variability. Um, And so the second one, like if you just want to do straight stablecoin arbitrage, which you could essentially do with as much money as you wanted, uh, you go to something like Curve, like so Curve.fi, Curve.fi is, I would, it it probably is the biggest at this point, stablecoin liquidity provider in DeFi. And it's the ugliest website you'll ever see uh, it's very unintuitive. So it's going to take a little while to figure out what's going on, but there's videos and stuff. Kraken and has you, a
0: competitor now, huh? All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: and you, you, you choose what stablecoin pool you would want to go in and you essentially do a swap where you would swap your USDC for whatever, and then you would deposit it into that vault for those particular stable coins. So what that may mean is you take your USDC from BlockFi and you, swap it or you, you deposit it into the synthetic usdc which is the synthetics network that yields 12% or whatever it may be and you just deposit that it pays you out in snx tokens and curve tokens and then each week you harvest them and then you you sell them on the open market and then you pay off your loan so that's, that's stable coin arbitrage that it's a smaller piece but it's much more consistent so you're, you're, you're
0: you're taking a five percent payment and a twelve percent or you're paying five percent on your loan and earning twelve percent on your farm yeah
1: yeah exactly and you can you can find you can go up further on the risk curve and you can find stablecoin uh, farms that will pay off will pay more like thirty forty percent and you're just assuming more risk because it's like maybe a smaller coin or whatever it may be in a bull market that may be a good good idea, but you know you kind of take your risks in that way so that's the that's like the easiest to understand. Uh, gas fees are obviously something to keep in mind, but we'll just assume that they're free. At the, like We're we'll just not going to think about that. Um, <laughs> and so then the other piece would be that you take it and then you go find actual farms. Like you go find coins, you go find liquidity pools, you go find different areas where you can buy and stake particular assets that may have APYs 60, 100, 200%. Because they're relatively young or small, smaller market cap, they don't have the same uh, liquidity d- depth. So your liquidity is worth more, but the trading volume will continue to increase, and so you make more money. Uh, so you're taking more risk on the asset itself, but you're also going to potentially make way bigger yields. And so if you put these two ideas together, you f- if you could find a high quality asset that's relatively small that you really believe in that seems like it's very safe and very legit. Um, You can get a high APY. It's relatively low risk. That can be a really effective way to get something like a 50 to 100% APY on something, pays off the loan, and you get something that you actually want to hold on to for a longer period of time. It's not just a short-term thing.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, okay, so... Let's say I know it's, it's, it's,
1: kind, of, it's kind of complicated. I, I'll, it's there's like a million pieces to it.
0: Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's the way it should be, right? It shouldn't be easy for people to just, you know, come in and cause, uh, you know, make what 12% uh, yeah. monthly at, at a 0% interest rate environment. Uh, it shouldn't, you know, should be most likely a little bit challenging there. Uh, and, and, you know, in any new technology, of course, the, the UI is just going to be, you know, a, a challenge because you're doing the back end stuff, right? Like ICO world. Um, is obviously the first thing that comes to mind when you think, oh, this is the new ICO type craze is because you're printing out of thin air somewhat. Uh, I guess the the analogy would be, but there's actually tokens behind it. There's there's proof of stake.
1: If well, I yeah, I think that's a key, right? Like this is one of the things I didn't realize is that the the yields come from the trading fees and also from the management fees within the ecosystem. So, for every trade that that token does on, let's say Uniswap, mm-hmm. 0.3% of that trade amount gets sent to the liquidity providers, which would be you know, someone who's staking their coins. So if you think about it, if you have a coin where there's very few people staking it, so it's like a small market cap, but all of a sudden there's a lot of trading volume, you're going to receive a percentage of that fee. So it's it's actually closer to owning like, uh, a, a cash flow business, and you're just a, a, a early LP, like you're you're an mm-hmm. early partner in that, as opposed to being like you're just part of a network that's growing, which is what a dividend stock might be more like. It's right. so there's more to it, but to your point, um, the whole thing hinges on trading volume. So yeah. as trading volume goes down, which is what happens in in bear markets, mm-hmm. all these yields are going to deflate too. And I don't think anyone quite knows what that floor looks like. Um, you know, we kind of yeah. had a taste of it last winter, like you know, October, yeah. November, when we saw the DeFi start to collapse a bit. Um, the the yields, some of the ridiculous yields came down, but you know, some of them held held pretty strong. But I do think that uh, it's not a guarantee. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of f- flexibility in these.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I mean, the, the, the first thing that's really exciting, uh, you know, we, even um, getting into that, uh, that space, just thinking about the fact that you could take uh, an appreciative asset, an appreciative asset uh, as Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever and borrow against it, just that right itself. that right by itself. Opening that up to an average human, <laughs> uh, because trying to do that at like interactive brokers, or uh, you know, you, I think you need to have a minimum of a hundred thousand uh, dollars, maybe it's two fifty or something like that, to where you get portfolio margin. Um, you can do that on I don't know what a thousand bucks, maybe five hundred bucks or something. You you yeah, you if know you want take dollar cost average uh, yourself into. <laughs> you know, the bitcoins and, or the theorems or something like that on a place like BlockFi. And, um, and I'm, and I'm just bringing up BlockFi because they, um, I know them the most. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and they're, they're who I usually recommend to people. So I haven't really looked at what competitors are out there, but um, you know, yeah, you can, you borrow against it. Like think about, think about how many people, <laughs> there was an article today on Coin uh, Cointelegraph, I think where somebody in 2013, paid 91 Bitcoin for a Tesla, which is 4.5 million today. They're, you yeah. know, like driving around their $60,000.
1: <laughs> yeah, computer. Yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's pretty impressive. But, um, you know, we didn't have those options in 2017, 2018. I don't know uh-huh. of if we did, actually, to where you could borrow against it. You had to find somebody who was willing to do that trade with you. Right there, there wasn't a, a infrastructure and a uh, you know a business uh, that you could sue at least you know there there is legal recourse on at least now with a place like BlockFi um, if something were to happen whereas if it was just you know me writing a check to you and you know person on person lawsuits a lot, lot uh, as an as a husband of an attorney a civil litigator. Uh, she's going to be like, uh, yeah, suing Chris, there's not a lot of outcome. there. <laughs> suing a big corporation, there's a lot of money to get to there. You know, they've got insurance yeah. and they've got all these other things. So um, it, it de-risks that space quite a bit, which probably is what has opened up the whole, um, that whole ecosystem. And I'm in my mind, I'm just sitting here thinking of a, you know, a modern asset manager, uh, hedge fund, whatever, you know, they they've got analysts, they've got compliance, they've got attorneys, they've got accountants, they've got um, you know the portfolio managers, they got their sales and marketing. They've got all you know this whole big operation. And then as you're talking about, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking about well, this is what a modern like if we if we didn't have legacy uh, financial systems and um, uh, marketing machines and and you know like pumping systems such as, you know, live TV of people in suits being interviewed about, you know, making, a uh, you know, 12% over the 10% returns of their benchmark. Um, do you have an idea of what you think a mod, like if I was to say, Carter, let's start a, let's start a modern fund. We're, we're likely not going to raise $20 billion and lose it by shorting GameStop. Um, Because we're not that smart. (laughs) Uh, Let's just say we can raise $10 million. And, you know, what would that sort, do you have an idea of what that would look like? Of what a, like a, if you're, because a crypto manager three years ago was just buying and selling crypto, right? What would a modern, like if I was a, if I was going to launch a crypto fund today, it seems like the smarter way to go about it is to guarantee the asset some way, right? So you, you, it's, it's trust, it's in a trust or it's, it's custodian or something like that. What would be a, a way to turn this into a, a, a business in, in that sense? Like say, I don't actually want to do this work, but can I get somebody to do it? And you know, in exchange for it, you get your management fee or whatever. Do you have an idea on that? <laughs> Sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, think it's
1: a good, I think it's a good question. I think that... Uh...
0: I is, think that, that is that a possibility? Would, would somebody be able to do like $10 million, $20, yeah, $50 million? Yeah, sure. Totally.
1: I think, I think it would be hard. The, the hardest part about raising a fund in that sense is that it'd be very hard to forecast out because we're kind of going into uncharted territory. So you could say, yeah, like I'm going to go become a huge liquidity provider for XYZ coin uh, that's got an established market cap. And here's what the, the rate is Here's what, here's what the average rate is for the last six months. And here's what we project it to be. And you can kind of extrapolate the impermanent loss and whatever else it may be. But you just don't know what, what this whole thing looks like if the, if we go going to a bear market. Like we, yeah. There's just nobody knows. And so from a, from a fund standpoint, uh, it's hard to do any sort of reporting or forecasting because you're going to get probably more volatility than if you just bought coins and held on to them. So I think what the the play would be would probably be to find find uh, smaller companies or I mean companies just like uh, coins networks that you believe in. You invest those coins, but as soon as the ability to stake within the network becomes available, and you could start to get a governance fee, uh, the way Yearn does, or you know, any of these governance tokens do now, uh, you can be a very early piece of the. Of the company, and so not only will you get the capital growth, capital gain, you'll be getting a very large yield because that's just how the tokenomics are built these days. As opposed to two years ago, that wasn't—it was inflationary rewards. Now it's governance rewards, where people are paying to use the the actual ecosystem. Um, so I think you could build that out into the forecasted model. I think if I was raising a fund right now, that's definitely what I would do. I mean, I would I I, I would always find something where it was a long-term capital gain of potential, but it also had a huge yield potential so I could compound those gains along the way. Uh, I think it'd be crazy not to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's very interesting to think about what uh, what has happened just in in what, two or three years, almost like a year, really. I mean, I know these projects have been uh, on board for a while, but um, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see how they've, emerged the space from not scam IPO, ICO. Uh, you know, there, there are some great projects they ICOed for sure. Uh, it's unfortunate there were some that just, you know, and, you know, whatever, we don't need to go on too down too far down that path. But, you know, you de-risk a lot of things when you look at using cryptography to, in, in you know, trustless, Environments to run the financial ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically, it's 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 harder to get capital in that space uh, because it's hard to put your head around, I suppose. But it's very easy to get you know money into a fund that's again you know gonna short GameStop. Um, well, I
1: think I think to your point, there's there's nobody to point at. There's nobody to sue. Like if if I go on DeFi and I mm-hmm. collateralize something uh, and there's, there's some hacker, you know, there's some bug in the code or, or whatever. And I lose that money. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's my fault. Like, or not my fault, but that's my problem. Yeah. And I think that when you get beyond personal ink, personal funds, like that's an unacceptable risk for 99% sure. of like real money out there. Yeah. And so I think that uh, you know, places like BlockFi, Celsius, some of these in, like, cent- more centralized Celsius. versions of them. Uh, they're trying to bridge that gap. I mean, Grayscale's trying to do it as well. Uh-huh. But, you know, for the most part, this is this is an individual or a very nimble, small VC world. They may have a good amount of money, but it's often because they've already made a ton of money in crypto that they can uh-huh. reinvest. And they're, they're given like, hey, look, do whatever cowboy stuff you got to do. Um, we, we understand it, but that's, yeah. I think that's the exception right now.
0: Do you, uh, so would that would, you would generate short-term capital gains on those uh, on the farming. Is that right? That's
1: right. Yeah. It'd be considered income. Okay. Like a dividend so, basically.
0: So, and, and it would be considered capital gains, not, not like business revenue, I assume. Well, that's, um, that's, a dis- that's, you
1: know, th- yeah, that's probably like a, you can, Ask your qualified professional tax correct uh, whoever because um, there's there's a lot of nuances like you can generate them but if you haven't claimed them they're technically not yours yet you got to like actually mm. claim them off the blockchain uh, so you can you can do that weekly sometimes they're automatically claimed for you it just depends on the contract so there's different like these weird nuances I don't think anybody really knows the exact way um, but yeah it's essentially like getting whatever airdrops would be or you know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, um, so, I mean, I, I, have tried not to go too far down. It's impossible to not go down deep rabbit holes when you're talking about those, uh, unique projects. Right. Because, you know, pretty much if, (laughs) if you don't understand Bitcoin, then you can't start to understand Ethereum. And then you can't start to understand, you know, like down the, down the stack, and you know we're already pretty far down the stack when we're looking at at that. It's just, it's pretty you know it's pretty amazing. Um, what are you, what projects are you excited about these days? What space you you pretty much were ahead of the curve on DeFi for uh, for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. What else are you seeing these days?
1: I'm I'm very bullish on this this whole idea of collateralization, like. When you, when, when I think about, uh, I think this might be a a little bit too far ahead. Um, but when I think about the amount of things that every one of us owns that we cannot tap the value of that to me, it's like, is unbelievable, right? Like you look at the average family, let's talk, you know, in the U S uh, and average, let's call it upper middle-class family, which probably has people that have heard of Bitcoin or whatever it may be. They've got a couple cars. They've got a house. They've got furniture. They've got artwork. Maybe they've got, you know, you name it. The house is basically the only thing that they can really leverage with a mortgage. Yeah. Um, Maybe if they go get like a life insurance policy, they can leverage that. You know, you can get creative about what assets you put, but you know, that's when you get into weird tax stuff. That to me is insane. Like we've built this world where, you buy all this stuff and then you just assume, we've just been trained to assume that as soon as you own it, like unless you wanna hustle and go on eBay and resell it, it doesn't have any value other than usage, utility. And I think that's going to change in a big way, especially as we become more of a shared economy, especially as things become tokenized. Like you look at car companies like Tesla, I think that being able to buy a Tesla with, with Bitcoin is amazing. What's, I think what's gonna be more amazing is if and when they can take that computer and they can assign a real-time value to it. And you could press a button and say, listen, this Tesla's worth $60,000, but I really wanna go on a vacation. I'm not gonna be around for six months or whatever. Press a button, I'm gonna collateralize $20,000, securitizing this Tesla as collateral to this network. Maybe it's centralized, maybe it's decentralized, who knows. And I pay 4% on that $20,000. And all of a sudden, I, I have twenty thousand dollars in value because I own the Tesla, and I pay that back to to the network. And I think that Tesla's like just because of the nature of the business, it's kind of out on the, it's pretty far out there to be able to do that. But we start looking at things like, you know, if you have a five thousand dollar computer, why can't you securitize that? If you have anything that you can assign a, a real life value to, um, and then you start to get pretty creative about what that could look like with with your real estate or with anything that you own. So I think that the guts that make those things happen, um, that's essentially what's built the financial system, right? Like it's like what the mortgage industry is. And when you look at when the financial world exploded, it really started in the early eighties when they realized you can securitize anything. You can wrap this thing called an ETF around anything you want and tranche things together and voila, you have trillions of dollars. And I think that that exact same process is going to happen on an individual level. And I think when that happens, it's going to be just like you can, I mean, anyone's imagination can take that where they want to go with it. And being able to be a part of the, the, the network that delivers that value is going to be an enormous win. I think right now the best bet is Ethereum because that's the where everything is at this moment, that may change, but I think that's probably the best pure beta play on that. But then you get into the lending networks, you can get into the actual liquidity pools, you can get to the exchanges, the tokenization, whatever it may be. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest idea. I don't know how or when that's gonna happen, but i if I was gonna bet on anything for the next five years, you'd probably do that. I think in the short term, the, the most interesting thing is probably Trading itself, like the trading world, where I think this GameStop thing, you know, it's kind of a meme, the whole thing, but it's also an interesting uh, social experiment. I don't think we're going to understand what's going to happen about it with how many people are brought in, and then also where those people end up going. Do they stay in the stock market? Do they move to crypto? Like, how do they how do they feel about their their experience? But I think that as you start to build out these. These 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 new trading worlds um, where you can you know stake your 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 equities and make like a, a higher yield off your equities as opposed to like you're talking about you have to go to a, to a uh, broker you got to have hundred thousand dollars now maybe you can stake your own stocks or whatever you can build much more creative products you can make your own uh, baskets you can run your own hedge fund like you can you can decentralize yourself and say. Hey, invest in the stock. Follow me, and I can set my five, ten, two and twenty on this. Like the whole trading world to me, is very easily decentralized and opens up millions of new opportunities, new assets to trade, potentially new markets to trade. Like you think about anything that has uh, a data feed. Like one of the one of these examples, I always think about. I was I was in Europe last fall. I was right, right running through. There's a these. Uh, wineries in Croatia and I was like, doing for a long run. And I was thinking to myself, it's like, if I wanted to bet on the futures market for Croatian wineries, there's nowhere I can do this. Like, there, But I bet there's other people that would be willing to take the other side of that bet, or at least provide the liquidity for that marketplace. But that's never been done before. But somewhere there is a data feed that's saying, okay, here's, here's the monthly output GDP. Same thing with the California wineries or whatever it may yeah. be, but there's just no futures market for any of this stuff or any market for that matter. Whereas if you can find a data feed for something that's you know has integrity and you know, whatever else, there's going to be liquidity available. People will be willing to, to take the liquidity side of that bet for, for someone to be able to trade it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that whole thing is just going to get bigger and bigger, bigger. We saw it with the presidential election, like how much interest was on the betting markets. We're starting to see it where, you know, instead of doing sports betting, where you you place your bet before the game uh, and it's a binary bet, all of a sudden it could be a liquid market. Like we're starting to see it in the Super Bowl where real time you're seeing the, the odds you can buy, you can shorten, go long mid game as opposed to putting on a specific bet. So I think that that whole world is a really good bet. And I think that, probably more importantly, when I talk to people, hedge funds, private equity, money managers, family offices, most of which are relatively skeptical about crypto, like they get it. They understand that they might need to allocate, but they're also kind of like, eh. when I talk about this stuff, this is the only thing that they're they're mm. like, I understand what you're talking about. Like, this is something I get. Like, I, yeah. I, I see what you're saying all this other stuff, the collateralization, you know, the privacy, all the other things are like, yeah, whatever, you know, I've heard it before, it's, it's whatever, but the, the tokenization of markets uh, is very interesting for them, which makes it very interesting for me as someone who can see what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot to, lot to think about right there for sure. Uh, you know, the, the news that, well, let, let's, let's have a look at the, the Tesla idea, you know, let uh so, Arc and Tesla pretty much has been. Uh, let's just give Tesla the, the thing here. They they pretty much want to collateralize collateralize or turn your Tesla into a an asset. It's a car. The only type of car that is an asset right now is a collectible, really. Right. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Nothing un- unless you're actually earning more. Driving, you know, Ubering, let's say, then the value of your car—that's the only really way that you're doing it. What they're saying is they're just going to turn it into an autonomous vehicle. You use the Tesla when you want to use it, and when you don't want to use it, you just turn it loose to the network, and the network goes out and drives people around autonom- autonom- autonomously, and you rev share with Tesla on that deal um, with the network, right? Um, so that's that's an easier and and a I don't know if a lot of people understand that or know that, but that's a that's a business plan and that's something that's out there. So the idea is currently out there with the richest man in the world um, and one of the most valuable companies in the world uh, is actually looking to create a network where you can turn a depreciating asset into an appreciating asset. Um where that also gets interesting is let's say, I mean, cause how many GPUs do they run uh, in a, in a Tesla? Um, you can turn it into a miner when it's parked, right? Plug it into your, plug it into the Tesla charger. You've got your solar wall or power wall. You've got your solar roof uh, generating uh, energy and your vehicle, you know, yeah, you may not, it may not make more than all that much, but if you would rather not have your car, leave now you have another option of how it could be done and that's also you know one of the one of the big promises of of crypto was the fact that you could earn money from your computer right which once once we once people realized that you could do that then that that got arbed out of the business and you have to have like asics you know a a underground layer of asics and or gpus and But the idea of, you know, that's the first easy idea, the Tesla idea of turning a depreciating asset into an appreciating asset is, it requires threading a bunch of needles, one being autonomous vehicles. Uh, That's a, you know, it's in Phoenix here, uh, we have autonomous vehicles on the road now. Um, Something, I don't know how many trips they've done, but it's, it's, it's happening. So it's likely gonna happen. Um, then you start thinking of, okay, how can you rent out the uh, SETI project was another example of, of, it was a donation of CPU or compute to the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. uh, And they just, you know, ran calculations in the background of your computer. Those are kind of like two mainstream, maybe not for everybody, but but for a lot of people in technology, those two ideas are not too, like you've, you've heard them before. And in finance, probably if you're not an angry, cranky perma bear on Tesla, you probably have heard the bull case or at least accept the bull case there. So when I look around my house, I start thinking of the idle energy that's sitting there, uh, the lack of, uh, you know, if, if I could just, I live in, in like a little neighborhood. I started to think about the idea of Tesla creating a neighborhood. Self-sufficient neighborhood, and you know with the idea being is everybody in the neighborhood has solar. You have a, a so let's say there's a hundred houses in this little neighborhood here. You have a, a battery pool and uh, or battery farm, and every everywhere you can, you have solar generating into it, uh, and you're basically if you have an asset, and then you can sell that energy as needed to power plants to other places. So that's where we start moving down the stack of like the home is real estate. That's an appreciative appreciating asset. You can borrow against. Cool. I think the idea of energy probably is, is not too far away where you have batteries and you can sell excess capacity. Um, if you're able to har- harvest uh, water out of the air, not really in my neighborhood, I imagine uh, being as dry as it is here, but uh, you know, I think that there's some interesting ways that some, so as you're talking about, I'm like thinking about, you always see like the cars driving down the road with a billboard wrapped around them. Right. Um, if that was digitized. And so if I, as an advertiser, if I could get the data back on how many eyes that, you know, and I got paid, not just, you know, 800 bucks a month, or I don't even know what they cost, but I actually got paid on, as you do a CPM, right? An, an ad model of, you know, it, that incentivizes the driver to continue to drive, right? And so you would have that with um, the Tesla. Uber. Anyway, so I'm just, I'm just like thinking down the stack where some interesting places would be. That would be in a fantastic marketplace. As a business person who has a risk asset like grapes, in uh, Croatia, getting, you know, the, the Croatian wine market is not as well known as the one across the across the pond, I guess what it's called, uh, you know, the, the med um, to Italy, like Italy mm-hmm. is, you know, orders of magnitude, more well known and easier to fulfill that supply chain of worldwide demand for Italian wine. Croatia has a much lower one, as does Israel, as does uh, Lebanon, as does South Africa. You know, like it it goes down. And if you're able to, like, I would love the ability to provide liquidity or uh, hedge and get paid for my ability to provide hedging uh, capability of a wine producer, right? Mm -hmm. You can do it with corn, you can do it with wheat. You can, I mean, that's what made one of the reasons that corn is such a massive market because they you know they can hedge uh, and yeah and
1: like it can be it could be anything it could be any like you could you could create a marketplace for LA traffic like it, mm. if there was a way <laughs> if there's a there's a data feed that shows <laughs> potentially how much traffic is going through the the 5 every day yeah you could create a market where people can go long or short on what they think the traffic trend is going to be that day, next day, next week, you create, you create a whole,
0: the incentive there is awesome too, because you could literally say that, you know, I'm short LA traffic. So I'm, you know, I'm going out to drive today or or I'm not going to drive, you know, whatever the right or movie you could actually artificially change traffic patterns, I think in an interesting way. That's
1: that's yeah, exactly. Like these whole, like, and that's where the arbitrage will come is when like, how hard will people try once there's liquidity to anything, what's the actual market value? Like, we just don't know, like, what? Yeah. how big does it have to be? How much liquidity does it need to be there. And I think to your earlier point about going down the stack, you know, thinking about things in like a CPM model, I think that that's, that's going to happen. But I think what DeFi can do is that it helps you wrap up the actual core value. So if you're producing 0.002 kilowatt hours a month, or I don't know what the Like you might get paid 80 bucks, right? And that's your, but what Defi would say is, well, if you can make 80 bucks a month off of that thing, the thing that's making that can be amortized and it's actually worth like 14,000. So you could take out a $6,000 loan today Mm. and not have to wait 26 months. And they got to figure out how like the collateral is with physical products. And then what's even more crazy is who's follow the playbook that they did in the 80s where It's like, okay, well, if you've got a $14,000 valued solar setup and you live in a neighborhood, how would you like it if we tranche you all together and then you can all get a piece of this tranche, we'll go out and sell it and give you Mm -hmm. guys a kickback on the yield. And all of a sudden there's even more value produced or financialized or whatever you want to call it. And that's, that's exactly what they've done with everything else. It's just that they're like, we're going to do it with all, with everything else. This is just, this is a hundred times bigger. And so I think yeah. that as it, it's all been done before. It's just been done on a very small subset of groups that's been regulated and they've just never been able to create these things.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's uh, this is, uh, <laughs> this is pretty cool. I didn't, I, you know, I, I made the step with solar and with Tesla. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, we, we know the predictive, uh, the prediction markets are, are, you know, definitely growing. And with, you know, the use of, of code to actuary, these sort of things to, you know, provide risk and, and figure all that stuff out. You don't need the smartest person in the room to actually perform at 2am on a Sunday, you know, you you just need the network to be hard.
1: Yeah. Like those, so the, the things that, that kind of bridge the gap between real world data and blockchains are called oracles. And there's a, there's a handful of them working on it. Chainlink seems to be the, the leading horse right now. It's a very difficult problem for obvious reasons, but if they, if they can figure out how to do this, where you can take any real world data set, somehow that's agreed upon, to, it's like a legit data set and get it into a blockchain. What's going on in DeFi right now is they're, they're figuring out how to build liquidity pools Right, right now it's with Uniswap and Sushi Swap and a few others that are kind of, in my opinion, it's it's it looks like a very good first draft. But then you might get some single side liquidity pools like Bancor is trying to do this, and then you might get some much bigger liquidity pools um, like with Curve and Yearn and synthetics and all these other ones. And they're going to figure it out. Like liquidity is just going to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Uh, it's going to get deeper. And then if you can, once you start bridging these two things together that's when the fireworks go and it's just, it's just going to get, it's just going to get so big. And that's when you're going to get these investment banks that are like, huh, we, this, this is our chance at the eighties. You know, you're going to yeah. get the whole world of young guys or men and women that are like, Oh, you got the bond market in 1982. Like I'm going to do, I'm going to tranch the solar panel market or whatever, like yeah. on DeFi.
0: Yeah. So, that I mean, I it feels like the solar market is probably like right the easiest to do, right uh, easier to do at the moment. Maybe I'm just stuck there. But uh, you know, first of all, if if I'm on gigabit connection here in my house, you know, what why is that excess capacity? It, it's still you know it's on demand, but there's a whole like if I'm currently one point six megabit per second that my laptop here is consuming. So I've got, let's say five devices in the house. So I'm, I'm at like, what, seven to 10 gigs uh, or megs a second out of a gigabit connection. Like there's a lot of excess capacity that has been relatively untouched there. Electricity, um, as you say. Yeah, um, some really, it seems like that would be a, a priced market that would bring, you know, not, as you mentioned, the, the investment bankers and private equity. Um, I have a neighbor who has a, a heating and air conditioning company and uh, just, you know, been running the business for 20 years. They're offering him $10 million for it. Um, just, and they're going to package up five of them or 10 of them to turn them into one asset and they're going to spend that one asset off to, somebody, a bunch of investors and you know, they're, and that's it. Like that's what they're doing these days, right? They're, there's, and that's a very non-traditional game. Like it's not, when you think of private equity, you don't think of grabbing a handful of HVAC and plumbing companies, right? You, you don't think of that. You think of like um, maybe software, but definitely like retail and, and, and playing in that game. So they're looking at other stuff, that's obvious. Um, it really is an interest. Maybe I'll get somebody in the, uh, what are, do you know of anybody in private equity or investment banking that's involved in blockchain or are they just so busy? I, I haven't really heard too many of that. It sounds more of a VC game, but.
1: Private equity, not so much like, yeah. and, and it's, it's really not because of blockchain. It's just because there's so much money to be made elsewhere, doing, doing all these <laughs> other things, like just dwarfs what's going on in blockchain. So. Especially overseas, there. You know, I think once either the the public markets and the private markets, once those cool off, if they ever do, like who knows what's going to happen over there. Um, there may be more people that come to, to the crypto world, but for now, it's just like it's it's kind of funny being in crypto, and I talk to a lot of people in crypto, and they're like, "Oh, it's growing so fast, it's so big." I'm like, "Dude, the." Yes. It's great. I mean, as an individual investor, this is probably the best place to be right now, but (laughs) this is, this is a drop in the bucket for like the entire market cap is, is like a rounding error in the grand scheme of things. So it is. Yeah. um, It's one stock. It's it's, it's, the entire market cap
0: is one fairly decent sized stock in the, in the equity markets. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think that's, that's what um, you know, when as a trader, uh, we're we're used to like taking profits at certain levels and being like twenty percent, fifty percent, hundred percent, whatever it may be. Obviously, that's a good strategy for for building long term gains and compounding your wealth. I think also balancing that with with some of these bets, where it's going to be almost impossible to get any any one of these right to know which one's going to be the one. I think right now Ethereum is probably bubbling up to the top of the list like other than bitcoin that's kind of its own ecosystem and just realizing that this is still going to take a long time to to properly unfold um and if and when it does it it's going to be way bigger than what it is right now that probably is going to translate into much higher prices Um, meaning sometimes it feels like you look at the charts and this is like holy shit it's going vertical but if you start to look at the greater global uh, financial system uh, in terms of how much money is out there right now like it's it's mind-boggling how, how the size of the deals these guys are doing it's like and then you come back and you're, you're like oh man i'm sweating over what you know this whether Ethereum's going to go to 2000 or not or should I take profits at 1800 you're like wait a second yeah. Like this is a bet on, on the future of, of everything, basically. Uh, it doesn't need to be a big bet right now. So I think be a trader, but also have this futurist investor mindset because, you know, I think that this is a, there's a very good chance that this could go huge.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, we've just barely uh, been around, right? A handful of years here. It's pretty impressive mm-hmm. what we've been able to do here. Um, yeah.
1: And it's going to be like next year will look totally different than this year. And then the year after that's going to look totally different than, and so if anyone last, I mean, when we were talking last, if you'd said, oh yeah, th- uh, Bitcoin's going to be at 48,000, um, you know, Ave is going to be at 530 and yeah. <laughs> Ethereum's going to be whatever it is, 1800. We would have been like, you, you're out of your mind. Like there's no way. And, you know, and the S and P is at 4,000, you know, you'd be like, this isn't, there's no way. Yeah. And so in a year from now, it's it, all signs are pointing to it's going to be some even more craziness. I don't know if it means the same trajectory of price increases, but there'll be the innovation is not going to stop. There's no way that innovation is going to stop.
0: Yeah. Well, that, I mean, yeah, we have to. Um, and it just keeps getting better and better. The The interesting thing on the is, you uh, you know, how constrained we are on chips and Mm, uh, just in the world. Um, And this is where it's literally like, you know, the automakers this past month had to pause production because they just couldn't get chips for their vehicles. Like (laughs) 10 years ago, that didn't sound like reality, right? A year ago, you were like, you're saying Tesla can't get chips for their vehicles. Like, no GM, Ford, like it's, (laughs) you're driving a supercomputer. Uh, everybody talks about a supercomputer in your wallet. The car is definitely one of them too. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's it's a very interesting, and and the amount of work that uh, needs to happen, it's so exciting, and it's you know just just the things that could be accomplished through a blockchain, through a network. Uh, you know that that's it's uh, it's there, <laughs> and it's yeah, still so I- far away.
1: I think it's also, I think one of the kind of the, one of my core beliefs and ethos is just how much the whole system has been rigged from the beginning. And I'm not, I'm not anti-system, anti-capital, I'm not, none of that. It's just like, we've just been convinced that just like, this is what you should expect. Like if you get 7% on your, on your index fund, you should be happy about it. While, while they can charge whatever they want on a mortgage and on a credit card. and Like the, the, the middlemen have built this huge moat of money in, in the system. And so I think one thing to keep in mind for anybody listening to this is that it's not that DeFi is just making money pop out of thin air. It's, it's taking this inefficient money that has been s- systematically, Convinced to the public that this is how it is, yeah. and it's it's just taking that money back, and th- like when you think about how much money that is, like the size of those industries, um, it's 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 ridiculous. It's huge. I don't think it's going to be like uh, they're not going to ro- roll over and just like oh yeah, no no big deal, but I do think that that's the way to think about it. Is like this money is it already exists is just built into a system designed by people that wanted that system designed that way. And if and when it breaks down, it's going to go into a system that benefits, hopefully, the individual and the consumer.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's what we think, right? You've got how many, how many people will get paid along the way uh, of a, you know, you, you throw your money into a um, like J P Morgan Chase investment account or whatever, Uh, how much money for every dollar in there, how much money is actually like along the way, how many people are making money on top of that, like borrow, you know, they have the asset. So they borrow against the asset, they loan against the asset, I should say. And they've, you know, then they charge it fees on that. They charge it all there. Whereas you can just have a, you can just have a processor do the work for you. The, of all (laughs) those other people along the way, including their office building, including their, uh, advertising campaigns and, and, you know, everything that goes along with that, that. So that, that's very interesting to think of unpacking all of that and outsourcing all of that work to, a uh, you know, to something like this. Idea. Yeah. Just a, a simple phone to handle the work, you know, the, the, you know, a processor and a smart contract. Amazing. Um, look, we're running up over an hour here. Uh, is there anything you wanted to cover anything else you wanted to throw out? I'm, I'm happy to keep it going for the next five hours if you want, but <laughs> I don't want to take up your <laughs> I, entire day.
1: Yeah, I would say uh, I'm sure some people are thinking about like, okay, how? Do, what do I do? How do I kind of take advantage of this? Um, I think the reality right now is that gas fees are are extremely high. So to to be on the ground, boots just charging into DeFi is is going to be difficult because of it's so expensive. But I would I would encourage anybody to uh, just start digging a bit into, you know, just go on Google or CoinDesk and just like go down the rabbit hole for a day or two just to learn some of the big names, how these liquidity pools work. Because I do think that the the biggest like opportunities over the next year are going to come from this world. And um, I think Bitcoin is going to continue to be the, like, the, the bowl that drives everything. But if like, there's such an edge in being able to just understand how these things are playing out, you know, get in the discords, go into the telegram groups, see who the, what the developers are talking about, how these things work. Um, I think anybody who's in the crypto world already maybe thinks like, Oh, DeFi is kind of like the ICO thing. It came, it went, what's the That's next what thing, you know? And what I would say is like, it's, it's just going to be, this It's just going to be the evolution of this, because this is the, this is as big as it gets. Decentralizing the financial world is that's it. There's nothing like that's it. So it's, it's less about thinking about what's next and more about how does this turn into something bigger? Um, and I think that that'll, that'll yield some pretty amazing opportunities. Well,
0: you- You helped me. Uh, You helped me for sure. Um, I, you know, I kind of came into the whole, well, at least our conversation thinking, okay, you know, I mean, I made some good money on ICOs, so I'm not, not a hater on farming and, you know, and and yield farming and DeFi and all that. But I did, in fact, I said it probably 47 minutes ago or so, like, what's next? (laughs) Uh, And as you break it down, as you broke it down from, you know, this last, uh, this conversation, it really became obvious to me that yeah, we're, we're just learning how to use electricity basically. Um, you know, if, if crypt, crypto is a general term, uh, is just getting to a UI layer that people can actually, you know, Coinbase itself, how do, you know, they, they charge a pretty good amount to use their simple interface uh, and th- you know they've they've been rewarded handsomely for it. So just thinking about that in and of itself, as you mentioned, DeFi is kind of hard to figure out because it's it doesn't you know it doesn't really it's not clear. It reminds me of of crypto uh, you know like pre twenty seventeen for sure. Um, I don't know if the twenty fourteen thing you know with Mt. Gox. I don't know if that was really good. But a UI layer or a UX layer. That that is approachable and doesn't you don't need to be uh, a developer to and a, an assist admin or something like that to understand how the networks work and how everything's work. I think that like any technology is the step forward in the big thing. And if there's not even a a, a UX uh, that's easily easy and approachable, that means you know using your logic there we've got a long ways to go to where somebody like my mom no offense to my mom a computer scientist <laughs> but you know she she's a computer scientist and she can't you know she she doesn't she hasn't gone down even the bitcoin rabbit hole so she doesn't really you know know that sort of stuff and when you get average people who can do those sort of things i mean we're still waiting on people to be able to get a wallet and put money in their wallet from right. you know uh, so yeah you know what you you uh you definitely Cleared that one up for me and and I I am gonna drop everything and and get <laughs> I, think, deep I think DeFi space.
1: One thing uh, along the lines, I, I completely agree. I think the UI and UX is like a huge opportunity right now. BlockFi, Celsius, Nexo, all these centralized, even Coinbase, Kraken, and all these centralized companies, on some level, they're they're starting to use DeFi in six months to a year, like they will be fully using protocols like curve and like, that's how they're going to maintain these yields is just that they're going to give you a lower yield. They're going to arb out a yield to give, to give the average person like, Oh, who can I call if, if my funds aren't there? And so like that in itself is an opportunity. It's the same thing on the internet where it's like, if, if you want to go pay someone to build a website and they can host it, or if you could do it yourself, you could save a certain amount of money. This like, mm-hmm. assuming this was like 15 years ago. Sure. It's, it's that kind of thing where for a couple of days of education, you could actually, you know, potentially bypass a huge long-term yield that would, uh, you know, pay for itself 10 times over.
0: Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a great way to do it. I mean, I know that I could use Coinbase right now, but I know how expensive it is and I can, Figure my way through a, n- a normal crypto world, right? Uh, right. But exactly. most people can't, and that's the reason Coinbase is going public because they that's made exactly it simple. Right. I mean, they offered a handful of tokens and 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 uh, coins, uh, and the whole world went there. When the even during the ICO craze, where you could only get what five or so <laughs> on Coinbase, they still dominated everybody. Yep. Uh, when you know. Binance was right there. You could have just used Binance, you know? <laughs> but, exactly. So, it, it, you know, that that really is is an interesting way to look at It's like when you can get people um, access to that sort of stuff, that's fantastic. Um, You got me, man. I'm going to share this out. Everybody's going to love it. <laughs> cool. uh, we're going to have to talk more once I get yeah, down. As I sure. start going down the rabbit hole, we'll have to get back together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that sounds great. You're uh, at Carter Thomas on Twitter?
1: Yep. That's the best place, and
0: that's it. Hit him up on there. Uh, hit him up. He's got he, he definitely like broke my mind there when uh, when we were going back and forth on it. I had a completely different perspective on like prop trading and what you could do with uh, some spare time. And <laughs> I thought I knew what I was doing, and then all of a sudden he's like, You can also do this for another 15 minutes, and uh, you know, uh, so. Uh, get at or uh, follow Carter at Carter Thomas on Twitter. Um, anything else?
1: That's it, man. Buy Bitcoin.
0: Buy Bitcoin. Though Ethereum's going to be the one that uh, help out. I got my shirt on today.
1: There you go.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, well, on. thanks. I'll. Uh, we'll wrap it up here, and we'll we'll do a version three coming soon.
1: That sounds great.